Psalm 128. Blessed are all who fear the Lord, who walk in obedience to him. You will eat the fruit of your labor. Blessings and prosperity will be yours. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children will be like olive shoots round the table. Yes, this will be the blessing for the man who fears the Lord. May the Lord bless you from Zion. May you see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life. May you live to see your children's children. Peace be on Israel. This is the word of the Lord. And if you're comfortable to do so, please stand as Catherine reads our gospel reading this morning. Okay, the gospel reading is John 2, verses 1 to 11. Hear the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 80 to 120 litres. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheapest wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. May I speak in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please do sit down. Today, we are at a wedding. I guess everyone here has been to a wedding. Maybe it was their own. Maybe it was a friend. Maybe it was a family wedding. I'd just like you to just reflect for a moment on the things that you enjoyed at that wedding. Maybe it was the food. Maybe it was the wine. Maybe it was the company. Maybe you actually don't remember an awful lot about it. Except that it was a joyous occasion. And when you looked at the photos, however long ago that was, you could see the changing of what we wore then. I can remember my mum's bouquet being huge and long. And then we had the hand-tied bouquets. And for me... I always think of what I wore on the day. For me, it's an opportunity to dress up, and um, that's what I like about weddings. 
So today we are at a wedding. It is the first sign of John's gospel, of which there were seven, and it's the wedding at Cana. The wedding at Cana was on the third day. The third day after Jesus calls Philip and Nathaniel to be his disciples. If you were here last week, you will remember Jody talked about that. Nathaniel meets Jesus and declares, Rabbi, you are the Son of God. You are the King of Israel. Now, I have actually been to the uh, town of Canaan, and I looked up my journal to see if I wrote anything about it, and I did. But sadly, the church was closed, and I talked about the shop and where people bought the wine. The actual site of Cana is actually disputed, but... um, It brought back memories of actually being in that place, if it was the correct place, where Jesus was. It doesn't matter, because the important thing is of what happened in that place. So it seems to have been a small village some nine miles north of Nazareth. And given the proximity to where Jesus grew up, No doubt there was family connections to the people being married that day. That's probably why Jesus, Jesus' mother, and the disciples were there. Weddings in those days were big affairs, and I mean big, sometimes lasting a whole week, and with the whole of the local community invited Making sure there was enough food and drink for such a loud crowd was obviously important. And for people like June and those of cater for us, that is always something, isn't it? How many will be there? And we, I remember that Jubilee Day when we invited the community. Surprise, surprise, it's absolutely heaving in the hall. And... We needed the miracle of the loaves and fishes. We were down the shop. We were down in Guy's house finding the sardines. (laughs) Every possible bit was given, and it was a wonderful evening of sharing the gospel. So somebody has to organize these things. So making sure there was enough food and drink for this large crowd at this wedding in Cana was obviously important. For a wedding to have run out of wine would have brought great disgrace and shame upon the groom and his family who were responsible for the refreshments. But that's what happened. At some point during the celebrations, Jesus' mother turned to Jesus and said, They have no more wine. There seems to be an implication in her comment that Jesus might be able to do something about it. Now, Bible commentators have had a feel today with this, trying to get inside Mary's head. But it doesn't seem likely that Mary was suggesting that Jesus perform a miracle 
to save the day because the Bible makes it clear that Jesus had not performed any miraculous signs prior to this first sign, the wedding of Cana. Perhaps over the previous 30 years, Jesus had proved himself to be a reliable son. And she hoped that he would have a bright idea about what to do. Whatever was going on in her mind, the way Jesus responded was very interesting. Woman, why do you involve me? My hour has not yet come. Just as an aside, the word woman in the Greek does not note any disrespect. (laughs) It seems that Jesus was gently rebuking Mary for trying to steer his work. And when Jesus continues by saying that his hour has not yet come, we start to understand why. Throughout John's Gospel, the hour was the time when Jesus would be fully glorified by the Father. In John chapter 13, when he was arrested and his crucifixion was imminent, Jesus says that his hour had now come. Jesus may have been a dutiful son for 30 years, But having been baptized in the Jordan by John the Baptist, being tempted in the desert by the devil, he has now set out on a period of public ministry where his focus is doing the will of the Father and dying on the cross for the sins of the world. And neither the gentle hints of his mother Interference, if you like, of the religious leaders, scorn of the people, would be able to knock Jesus off his course. His mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. So Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brink. Now first of all, just to explain about these jars, they were stone water jars, six in all. They were huge in total. There is between 600 and 900 litres of wine. Now to put that into context that I can understand, that's about a thousand bottles of wine, a hundred cases. A good amount, I'd say for a week celebration in a village. When the MC tastes the water that has been turned into wine, he did not realize where it came from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. The water becomes wine and the party continues. It was not a coincidence that the water transformed came from jars used for ceremonial washing. Jesus does not miraculously fill the jars with water. He transforms what has been offered by the servants. Jesus changes water from Jewish purification vessels into wine. He is present at the wedding He is with his people as the saviour of the world, the person 
who will replace the Jewish law, rituals, leadership, and the temple. The servants were not responsible for the miracle. They weren't responsible for the solution to the problem. However, they were simply asked to be obedient to Christ, to act and to offer what they had. In this case, their strength and the water to Jesus. The rest was up to him. So Jesus turned the water into wine. This miracle is a sign that Jesus will do a new thing, bring purification to Israel and the world in a whole new way. John writes, What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. His transformation of water into wine is closely related to chapter 1 of John's Gospel. You remember the prologue verses. John writes in chapter 1, verse 14, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The value of the miracle was in what it signified. It manifested the glory of Christ, part of which glory is his power to change and transform lives. As I said earlier in John's Gospel, we are given seven signs or clues so that by the end of the Gospel, we are under no illusion as to who Jesus truly is. And if we do happen to miss it, chapter 20, verses 30 and 31, make John's purpose clear. He says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. Jesus turned water into wine and created bread for the multitude. Every Sunday, and yes, even if you're all age, we still celebrate at 8.30 once a month, the month. We celebrate the foretaste of the wedding banquet of heaven, which is described in the book of Revelation, when we come to the table and receive Holy Communion. In Holy Communion, we recognize Jesus being the Holy One of God. We are invited to take part in the feast. We can come eat the bread, drink God's good wine, receive a blessing. Now for me, the offertory procession is very special 
Because for me, it signifies the bread and wine being brought to the table as a gift of the people. The bread, the wine, and the money offered represent our lives, our work, our recreation, our families, and our community. In other words, we offer to God all that we have and all that we do. This is called stewardship. The sign at Cana offered water and strength. And the water was transformed into wine. It's a picture of how Jesus can transform our lives. So as we come today to the table and we share the bread and wine, we look forward to the banquet in heaven at the marriage feast of the Lamb. In his vision in Revelation 19, verses 7 to 10, John saw and heard the heavenly multitudes praising God because the wedding feast of the Lamb, literally the marriage supper, was about to begin. The concept of the marriage supper can be more easily grasped if we have a picture of the wedding customs in the time of Christ. The first sign is packed with glory and meaning far beyond the saving of a wedding celebration. Jesus uses the water from the ceremonial jars. The fact that he does this highlights that something new is happening. Through Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, a new covenant is brought into being, which does away with the need for ceremonial washing, because the blood of Jesus cleanses all who come from all their sin. The new wine filling those washing jars is a sign of that. So when we take bread and wine week by week, we are not only remembering Jesus' death, but we are also anticipating and celebrating the wedding banquet of heaven. We take bread and wine to celebrate the saving death and resurrection of Jesus Christ and the promise of God's coming kingdom. As we receive bread and wine or a blessing, we can be transformed by the overwhelming grace of God, just as the water was changed into wine. In this story of the wedding of Cana, the servants were asked to offer what they had, strength and water. So what have we to offer? Are we prepared to offer to God all that we are? What resources we have, whether they're large or small?
for the building of his kingdom. The last verse in the reading says, What Jesus did here in Canaan of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. Do we believe in him? Do we recognize the glory he has manifest for us? Jesus welcomes all who come to him. He died to save us from our sins. He died that we might have eternal life. He has the power to change and transform our lives, giving us abundant life now and in eternity. Let's close with a prayer. Almighty God, in Christ you make all things new. Transform the poverty of our nature by the riches of your grace. And in the renewal of our lives, make known your heavenly glory. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.